where it's at. I got two Dan tables and a microphone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Where It's At. I am your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host, Dan Hornstein. Uh, if you haven't heard us before, this is a podcast uh, about music, and we talk about music and explore new music or music that each other may have not heard, or hopefully you haven't heard. Uh, we'll you know come together, each pick an album and a single, and you know give a brief bio of the artist, and then discuss why we picked it, and then we have a conversation about it. So, real quick before we get into the music, you can send us an email at wherepod at gmail or you can find me on Instagram at mister underscore pocket. It's 21. You can find Dan on Instagram at Dwight Privilege. Oh, yeah. So now that all the fun. Any new updates? Any fan updates? Any more shout outs from Raw and or other bands? Uh, No more shout outs. I had a listener come back and say they liked our episode on Raw and they want us to review a Periphery album. Oh, I like Periphery. Okay. Yeah, particularly the one Hail Stan. They were like, we want to hear your thoughts on Hail Stan. So I was like, okay, I'll put it on the list. You know what? We, we're going to have to get to that then. Yeah. Because I've heard some peri- periphery tracks and that are just amazing. I got so I was into like, I'm the, down yeah, with that. I got into them with... Hey, do you ever watch Rick Beato on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love his channel. And... He did an episode about a periphery song where he kind of says what makes this song great series where he breaks it down mm-hmm. and isolates different parts. It's almost like he has the at like the master recordings and he can listen to just the vocals and he'll isolate the vocals or listen to just the guitar. And it was really impressive how technical and how just much fun I had listening to periphery. So I don't know. We might, we might have to do that soon. That could be, I'm that could be a, we could do just, that could be a really fun one for the listener. Yeah. Got to give the fans what they want. Got to give the people what they want. Exactly. Yes, we do. So, yeah, that was a raw fan, and they were really on, please, please do periphery. And I was like, yeah, we'll do it. Just give me some time. We'll talk about, talk to about Dan, and we'll do a listener suggestion episode. That'll be fun. So, uh, this week for the Sniggles, uh, what did you pick, Dan? This week I picked. Royal and the Serpent. Uh, the song is I Can't Get High. Royal and the Serpent is, is a kind of a new band. I've heard two singles from them. This is the mm-hmm. second one that they did, and I've really kind of enjoyed both of them. The first one is called Overwhelmed, and then the second single that we reviewed this this week is called I Can't Get High. Mm-hmm. And um, this is this is a kind of a pop band, but really dark side of pop. Very, very dark. Um, the lyrics for both of the singles that I've heard so far have been extremely dark, but very transparent lyrics. Mm-hmm. They almost read like diary entries and less like uh, poems or metaphors or or anything like that. And there's um, they follow. There's a little bit of similarities in the two songs that I've heard so far, but there's some things that I really liked about this song, specifically uh, the singer who I think is or going by Royal and the band is a serpent. I'm not sure about that. Um, I don't know a lot about this band. I couldn't find, I couldn't dig up a whole lot of their bio. So mm. I think it's just cause they're super new, but she's got a really cool voice. Uh, I like her vocals a lot in this one there. She does some things where it almost sounds like melody wise. She's taking a minute and going from like, 
like a minor third going up to a major third. So there's this weird kind of course, uh, chord structure change that she's doing in there that I like a lot. Um, the song gets heavy towards the end of it. I like that. Yeah. It has some really noise, good, good use of noise and good distorted parts in there. It's got some cool guitar lines in both the verse and the chorus that I liked. Um, the there's some sound effects you know the song's really just about how lyrically it's 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 on the nose it's about how she cannot get high and she's really yeah. trying but um <laughs> it, you know whatever something's got her in a way whether that's just too much drug use or some other mental issues um but like it's it's this almost desperate like please all i want to do is is escape you know, I really just want to get high. So there's lighter clicks. There's like bong rips, uh, sound effects <laughs> happening in this. Um, I love the dark lyrics. It's, it's the song's a little on the nose, but it works for a short song like this. It's about three minutes. Um, and it's just a good dark song that came in. Um, uh, I'm going to give it three and a half beards. I liked what they were going for with this. And mm-hmm. I kind of want to see where this band takes it. It's not the best thing that I've heard, but in the realm of pop music, it's a little bit better than most everything else that's out there. Yeah. Well, you hit it on the nose with the darkness. Uh, the little guitar riff on the intro, I just caught me right off the bat. I was like, whoa, I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect, but it was like, it instantly like grabbed me and I was like, okay, this is a really, really, really cool song. Uh, her voice is super unique, which what made the song stand out to me. She's got this weird little, I don't know what to call it. But she's got a little like, stylish stylized whatever to her voice and it sounds amazing um i loved it i gave it five beards i was like this oh, is hell yeah. i can't Holy wait shit. to hear more yeah i was like i was re- that i liked it that much then I was definitely very impressed if you like that i highly recommend their other song it's called overwhelmed that's mm-hmm. the i think the only other one that's out there it sounds like they're building up to an album and these are the first couple of single releases um and it's it's follows a very similar suit, but it's a really that's a really cool song. I actually prefer that one to this one. If I had to rate mm. that one on just on the fly, I would probably give Overwhelmed closer to a four four and a half rating, and this one was uh-huh. not quite as good. Um, so with you giving this a five, yeah, I really think that you'll dig okay. it. Then I need definitely need to check that out. So this week for my sniggle, I picked uh, "Higher" by Mark Rosas. And uh, he's somebody who, again, like uh, Royal and the Serpents, you can't find a whole lot of info on him. He's a producer and a singer, but he's never really like broken through to the big time or anything. And I originally found about about this song and him from a YouTube video of a guy just like dancing to the song. And the guy yeah. was like a really just like he had a really interesting way of dancing. It was really cool. And I was like, wow. I was like, what? It was just like one day you know, just goofing off, you know, scrolling through YouTube. And I was like, Oh, Hey, dance video. And I was like, wow, this song is really catchy. So I, I, uh, he has an album now too, which is pretty good. Uh, it's more electronic than, yeah, he's got like some electronic and dance. This song, he really tried to get into like more of the dubstep thing. Yeah. And I really like dubstep a lot. Not all dubstep. There's a lot of dubstep. I'm being honest. That's just garbage. But there's still a decent amount of dubstep that I really like and really could get into did back in the day and still even do like. Um, 
I liked his voice. I like this song. There's a lot of like electronic elements to it, which made it fun. Like the driving bass, the, just the beat of the song is really good. And then I like this song so much one day, you know, I just went and sat down on my guitar and, uh, learned how to pick this song out on the guitar. And so I just converted it into a, like a fun little, like acoustic version of the song just okay. on my own one day. I was like, I wonder if I could do that. This would be fun. And so this song is like for all the work that he's done. I think it's, my favorite personal favorite, at least like his album is good. I have his album, but I still like this better than his album. So I gave it five beards too. You're doling out fives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. This is, that's how I was last week. So it's, it's funny that you're doing that. Um, the, so my million dollar question to you is as a dubstep fan, uh-huh. were you into the record that corn did? That was like all dubstep songs. That was trash. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Corn should just stay with doing what they do and not try and, you know, venture anywhere else. <laughs> I respected the effort, but it was a big swing and a miss, I feel like. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of corn stuff after in the, in the past whatever 15 years has yeah. been a little bit of a swing and a miss, <laughs> but a miss. Yeah. I respect that they tried it. They, you know, they really gave it the, their, their honest shot and it was like, okay. But I almost feel like by that time, the, the fad of dubstep had already come and gone and they were a little yeah. bit late to the game. Number one. Yeah. And then number two, just the songwriting wasn't all that great. Um, right. yeah, dubstep was huge for like a short period of time and it, it just came and it faded really fast. Um, I did like one, I'm going to go off on a short tangent. I did like one record that somebody did that was a bunch of dubstep remixes of Wu-Tang Clan songs. Ooh. And that was super solid, but it, that was like, I mean, 07, we're talking here. So it's been years since I've yeah, listened to anything like long this. long time ago. When this came out with Mark Rosa's Hire, um, I was really glad it wasn't a Creed cover, number one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would have been so bad. It would have been so like, especially a dubstep cover of the Creed song that would have made yeah. it doubly worse or epic. I don't know, but that might've been the thing to save it. Who knows? Uh, that's not for me to decide here. So here's the deal. This song comes in with like a kind of a slower beat at first uh -huh. and the dubstep comes to me out of nowhere. I was not expecting it and it was kind of jarring to the point uh -huh. where it took me out of the groove. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I wish they would have stuck with that original groove that they did. Mm -hmm. Now, later on in the song, once I knew to expect it around like the one minute and 40 mark, um, I think they, they changed up a little bit of the dubstep style and it, it, it fit a little bit better. There's like a glitchiness thing that they started to do though at that point yeah. that I didn't care for. I almost felt like that kind of fucked with the vibe a little bit too. Um, but what I did like about it, I liked the vocals a lot, mm -hmm. and I did like that other groove a lot. Um, I also I thought another cool cool cover art for the oh single. yeah the cover yeah art was awesome. the cover art for this one I thought was kind of cool for the for even just for being a single yeah so I I ended up like this is going to be a recurring theme for me this week is that everything that we are reviewing I went back and forth on a uh -huh. lot and when we get into our, our albums, it's the same thing. I went back and forth. So just know that going in, these were tough calls. I don't know if it was just the mood I was in this week or the way yeah. these songs hit me, but I ended up giving this one a two 
out okay. of five beards. Um, I thought it wasn't, it was, it was just that jarring. I wasn't expecting the dubstep. And mm-hmm. I think if he would have done the vocals with the initial groove that was set up and then maybe like a little dubstep thing as a bridge, I would have been all for it. Okay. I can, I can understand like the whole, like, uh, the, uh, what are you talking about? The, the, like the, where he's like, the vocals are all like scattered and being pulled apart and put back together and everything like halfway through the song. See, I really like that part, that glitchy part that I really like that. Cause I never heard like you hear that a little bit in some dubstep songs, but not to that extent. Like they took it on this song and took it to like the nth degree. It was just like way out there. And I liked that cause I had never heard that before. So I was like, Whoa, I was like, someone just went crazy here. And I think, <laughs> I think where it got me was I was, I was wanting something to just lock into a groove and let it, uh-huh. let it simmer, and just you know, and just, and just yeah. let me. Yeah. And it, I don't know. Going back, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably give it another listen just to see if I change my mind. But I almost went like, dude, you don't have to fuck with it. Like you had a good thing going. <laughs> yeah. Which is odd because a lot of times I do like when something is spastic and things come out of nowhere. I think if done really well, I can be very enjoyable for me. But for this one, it was just like I didn't I didn't want you to do that. <laughs> I was just starting to nod my head. Why, Mark? Why? Not you, the other. Yeah, the other Mark. <laughs> the other Mark, the Mark Roses. Well, I'll recommend his album out there too. It's not, it doesn't have any dubstep elements to it. It's more electronic. So okay. it's it's like a, it's very different, but it's still got a, it's still got several good tracks on it. So I had, it's also on the list to review someday, but I was like, oh, I'll throw that single in there. So for the, uh, albums this week what did you pick dan oh so this week i picked the new album time burner by a band called film p-h-i-l-m film <laughs> film is uh i misspoke last week i thought they were a duo i thought for a long time they were a two-piece in the style of the white stripes with originally being the singer guitar player and drummer dave lombardo Come to find out, I'm, I missed that. Um, they're a three-piece band. They are guitar, singer, bass, and drums. And they have a new drummer now. They got rid of, or I guess Dave Lombardo quit, and there was mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of a falling out. I was trying to do some research there. So I guess they didn't get along. And this is their first album since Dave Lombardo left the band in 2016. Um, the band describes a, I read, a, I found a, a cool um, interview with them on Blabbermouth where they interviewed the uh, vocalist slash multi-instrumentalist Jerry Nessler. And what Nessler has mm. to say is, uh, we can't wait for the fans to finally hear Time Burner, which we think is our best, most well-rounded record yet. He said, we've pushed our musical boundaries and innate eclecticism to new horizons on this record. And I thought that's really telling. That's a very good way to encompass and describe what they're doing on this. Um, I got to give a quick shout out to their new drummer, Anderson Quintero. He's Mm -hmm. the replacement for Dave Lombardo. Um, This guy is a beast and is a beast throughout this whole record. What's so cool is, um, yeah, this is an album that, that does a lot with a very little bit of time. Um, Most of the songs average about three and a half minutes on this album. Mm -hmm. And they get a lot done 
in three and a half minutes. And when I say that, I mean, they, they change gears a lot. There's a lot of abrupt genre changes in these, um, which again, so I'm going to bitch about, you know, the single that we just did doing that with the dubstep. But in this regard, for the most part, it worked really well. I think it served the songs uh, quite well in a lot of ways. There's a um, psychedelic vibe to a lot of these songs. Mm-hmm. There's a heaviness to this. They are a metal band at heart, um, but they there's a lot of different influences on here. There's psychedelic. There's heavy jazz influence. There's heavy metal yeah. influence. Um, I get I when I listen to this, I I, I picked up on a lot of different things kind of each go round, right? Um, and it really depends on what song I'm listening to. Basically, the song is, the the album is divided up into a few different songs, a couple of different jazz interludes, I mm-hmm. would say that are, they're described as songs, but most of them are about a minute and a half. And then the album concludes with Time Burner, which is just a 10 minute, uh, you, you remember Spinal Tap when he's like, you're going to do a 30 minute jazz odyssey on stage. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like. It was just like a 10 minute thing. And um, it's, I think there's a little bit of a joke there because it really is kind of just there to burn up some time on the disc. <laughs> and I <Yeah>. think <laughs> calling it time burner, it, it really worked there. Um, there's, but the, in between that, the songs that are fully fleshed out songs are, I thought pretty well written. Um, the things that stand out to me about this band is number one, these guys know how to groove really oh, yeah. well. Um, they remind me of, we were, t- we were starting to talk about this a little bit. Songs like, um, cries of the century and Steamroller and 1942 and, Spanish flowers are songs that I think have a lat- a little bit of a nineties vibe to it. Um, the band that they reminded me of was two bands specifically acid bath, which not a lot of people know of. And that's okay. If they don't know acid bath, acid bath was a heavy metal band that was huge in Louisiana because they were from Homa, Louisiana. And they're kind of the, pi- some of the pioneers of dirty sludge metal, slow down stoner rock now, which is a very bigger genre. And I heard a lot of that stoner sludge metal vibe in there. I heard the groove parts of it. Some of it reminded me of the band clutch from the nineties, which I'm a big fan of drumming. The, the, the fact that the, the drummer kept his jazz influence going the whole way. Anderson Quintero, that part made me think of, Bill Ward from Black Sabbath, listening to old 70s Black Sabbath, how he was very jazz influenced and kept that vibe in a lot of even their heavier songs. So Mm -hmm. a lot of different influence kind of coming together at once, uh, along with some some really interesting things. Like, you know, like for example, in Cries of the Century, there's just, I mean, the song's just incredible drumming, takes a little while to get off of its feet. Like the yeah. first time I'm listening to it, I'm going, eh, okay, I don't, I don't know if I'm enjoying this or not. But my goodness, once it gets going, it's it's in a really good place. There's a, a guitar solo piano backing thing at about two minutes in on that one where it's very descriptive of the rest of the, how the record's going to play out. Um, it just bursts into this jazz guitar jam for a little while there. Um, kind of reminds me of... Outcast doing my favorite things on speaker box to love below, uh, which I think was Andre 3000's thing on the love below. He took that John Coltrane song, my favorite things. It pretty much stays the same. It's all just Coltrane's original recording, but he added at that time, uh, drum and bass, Mm-hmm. on the back on like that kind of drum pattern on the back of it. That was typical in, in jungle 
techno yeah. and EDM at the time that's very uh, chaotic and all over the place. And that's what it reminded me of was that real, real heavy, um, just all over the place, ca- cacophonous sounding stuff. And then they're able to return back to the groove from there, um, which I thought was really interesting. And this is something that the band does really well. Uh, overall, I, I, here's where I went back and forth on things. Um, uh-huh. For the most part, I think the jazzy elements of it tended to serve the songs really well. When I was mm-hmm. listening to the record as a whole, I went back and forth on whether or not I thought the jazz passages in between the fully fleshed out songs either added to the record or took something away to the record because it is to a degree juxtaposed, right? So on one of the, on the one hand, I feel like it fits the chaotic nature of their songwriting very well, how this band changes grooves pretty suddenly. But on the other hand, sometimes it's a little bit of a turn too far in the, uh, in a different direction that it stands out a little too much and it, it removes or robs some of the cohesiveness of this record where I settled. That's what I went back and forth on was those two Mm -hmm. ideas. And ultimately where I settled on it is I think that it does, um, a little more harm than good for the record overall. Mm-hmm. those independent things. I do like Time Burner, the last track on there. I think that's good as a standalone track. I think the other couple of things that they did in terms of the songs, like On Cries of the Century, the first track, fit really well. Um, I don't know. Overall, there's four songs that I, I really loved on here, and that is um, Steamroller. There's It's such a... Cr- Great chaotic beginning. Spanish Flowers was really cool. It had a very cool bass solo. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of choir, choir vocals going on in this one. It reminded me of a Swans song. Not a Swan song like it's the last thing they'll ever do, but a, the band Swans, who I really like. Um, and then outstanding, outstanding Wonka Vision. Uh, Super cool song. Uh, the drums, the Primus vibe at the beginning of the song. Um, when it yeah. kicks in at around the two minute mark, there's this kind of like groove drop that just uh, fucking. I, I'll I get my rocks off listening to that song. That's the best track on the record. And then um, I really like the singing on songs like "Cries of the Century" and "The Seventh Sun Overall. So I thought it was good. Um, way the the kind of three in the middle tracks: "Way Through Water," "Evening Star," "Light Gold." Probably could have done without those. I'm going to give it, I'm going to wait to give it my rating because I want to hear what you have to say. So what did you think of the record? So I never heard film before. And how long have you heard them? Listen to them for? I I went back and forth. They had one record that came out that with Dave Lombardo that I had listened to. And I thought this was kind of cool, but I only listened to it maybe a couple of times. And I think that was back in, it was before 2016. That was their 2014 record, which is called okay. Fire from the Evening Sun. And okay. this, it was, it was when I first heard it and went through a kind of decent rotation. But once I was out of rotation with it, I pretty much forgot about this band until this record. So um, I, that was, that was kind of a three and a half beards record for me at the time. Okay. Okay. So this one, I had, I had heard the name film but I'd never heard any of their music. So I had heard it passed around by other musicians that I know, other people that I know. And I just, <clears throat> I never, I never really like got enough feedback for people to be like, you really need to check out this band. So I was just like, okay, it's probably not something that's like, I would be super into. doesn't mean I won't like it. So I didn't really know what to come in other than like metal. 
So this song really took me back to like the mid nineties, lots of like metal influence or some like punk and hardcore vibes with it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cries of the century at first, first listen through. I'm not a, not always a big fan of like the talk singing. Okay. And so I was kind of like, is this what it's going to be the whole time? I was just kind of like, I, I literally, I, I, I was listening to it. I was like, fuck you, Dan. I was like toxic. But then the song builds and it gets into the chorus. I was like, okay, I can get more into this. Yeah. Uh, so I was cause at first I was just like, oh God. But so the first song actually grew on me. Despite the talk singing, that's the one thing I just didn't like a whole lot. Uh, I, I got to admit, I though, do like when singers do that, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it 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 was a uh, it, it it built on me uh, one or I say it grew on me. Then Steamroller comes on, and that just the chaos at the beginning. I was instantly like, "Ooh, what's this?" Yeah, because it's very chaotic at the beginning, and then it uh, comes in with the, just like a pure headbanger riff, and you just want to like groove along and headbang to it. So I was really, really into that. It is it immediately took me back to this place, like in the '90s, of just like you're in an outdoor venue somewhere in California, some like bar and grill or restaurant or whatever, and like this band is playing there, and it's like a bunch of dudes in their 20s, all dressed in black, and five teenagers <laughs> there loving it, and their parents are like, "This fucking music." <laughs> I was like, this is so 1997. That's really what it felt like. I was like, I've been to this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've seen this band before. Exactly. That's what it felt like. So I was like, this was, it was, this album for me was kind of back and forth, but it wasn't like it is extreme back and forth. It was just like, I've been here before and it's kind of fun to re-listen, but it wasn't like, then there was some things I just felt like didn't work so much uh spanish flowers uh obviously not to be confused with the tex-mex restaurant on main street in the heights uh is which i've never heard of or been to no there's two of them there's one on 45 too okay (laughs) okay they're they're pretty good uh so the atmospheric it's a very atmospheric song which i thought was kind of fun 1942 the chorus was catchy other than that it didn't do much for me Mm -hmm. the jazz interludes I just felt to me, we just felt like filler. I, I could have skipped over those. Like I was just like, okay, not really my thing. Wonka vision came on and I was like, Whoa, what's this? Yeah. And uh, like my description for this was like aggressive porn guitar meets garage rock and a guy talking in a breathy voice to you, either turning you on or freaking you out. (laughs) It's just, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Uh, It's weird as hell, but it's very catchy. And the fuzz bass is so cool. (laughs) That's the song I kept going back to. I was just like, I want to hear Wonka vision again. I want to hear Wonka vision again. And a couple of times I was like, I want to hear Wanda vision again. I was like, no, wait, that's the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) So like, um, seventh son, I loved one thing. I wasn't too into the seventh son, but uh, the emotion and the rawness of his screams, it's just so good. There's this guttural, like, like, I don't know, emotion and like rawness to it that you just like feel like, oh, he's really putting a lot of himself into it, which just made it even better. I got to um, give, I got to give you credit on that one. So Jerry Nestler, the, the, I guess the front man, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's the one doing the guitar. He's probably, I think doing the piano and he's, he's definitely doing 
dude, when this guy screams, he's got a really great scream in his voice. And I yeah. like that he doesn't employ it all the time. I like that he chooses when he gets to do it. Um, and it really beefs up the songs a lot. I, I do kind of wish he'd do it a little more, though. Yeah, I, I've wanted him to do it a little more, not too much more, yeah. but a few other times where I'm like, man, he should have screamed there. Yeah. I was like, that would have just made it, mwah, that would have made it like a good pasta sauce. It would have yeah, been amazing. It's a spicy meatball. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. All right. Yeah. So that, I really liked that. Um, Evening Star, another jazz interlude, Light Gold, felt like just it was a sci-fi movie track, especially at the beginning. It was weird. I wasn't into it. Uh, Time Burner just was noise to me. I, my favorite tracks were obviously Wonka Vision, Steamrollers, and Cries of the Century, even though it has the talk singing, singing but I was still like, this is still a good song. So I'll, I'll give you my, I gave it three beards. Yeah, I ended up giving it a little bit more three and a half. Uh-huh. It's not something I'm going to listen to a lot, but when I go back to it, it I'm going to enjoy like, I'm going to enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just, it, it, I don't know, I, I, I think good for them for trying something new. There wasn't the jazz influence on that other record that I remember. And Mm. it seems like they're, they're really pushing themselves to get into some new stuff. Their new drummer kicks. And I don't know if that's his influence, but man, I hope they keep him and I hope he stays as busy. There's some, there's some drummers that when I listen to, I want them to live in the pocket. Like, like if this guy was, if if he was doing this kind of stuff on like a chili peppers track, it wouldn't be good, but it really works for this band. And it's, it's, it adds kind of a psychedelic vibe to it to me, but Yeah. yeah, it's, um, I, I think we agree on that one. I think ultimately the jazzy stuff does more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do disagree. I liked time burner, but it wasn't one of my favorite songs. I think you and I share that the ones that really stood out are the heavier tracks Yeah, and they're, they're good. They're good, heavier <laughs> tracks. Yeah. So I'm with you on that one. Three and a half beards for me. Cool. Okay. So then, uh, this week I picked Ringo's desert by zoo. I wanted to get back into the electronic genre again. I really dig electronic. So, um, I feel like we've been again, spending a lot of time in this, in this genre with you. Like, this is, yeah, I we didn't have. know you were as into electronic music. It is like when you hit this up, I was like, man, Mark really likes this stuff. Oh, I'm not even kidding. Probably 60% of what I listen to is electronic music. So okay. it's m- most of what I listen to, uh, just on like a normal day. Uh, so zoo is uh electronic artist from San Francisco. Now he lives and works out of Los Angeles. Uh, in a way I kind of respect him somewhat because he just doesn't put information about himself out there. He's just Steven zoo is his name. He doesn't do too many interviews. He keeps a lot of his personal life private. I always find it kind of interesting when artists, you know, they just like, Hey, this is my music. Enjoy it or don't. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, that's kind of cool. He doesn't feel like he has to like jump in the limelight or have people write books about him or exposés. And I was like, okay. Cause when I first heard him, probably five, six years ago, or maybe it was four or five years ago. It was like 2016, I think. And I was like, I I heard his first album and I was like, okay, it's okay. And it wasn't something I was super into, but it was like Mm -hmm. a good chill out album. So I I enjoyed it mostly, but then this one came out and this one has a strong, like atmospheric desert vibe. And I like the desert. Uh, So to me, I really just like, 
this pulled me in because of that because it's electronic music and the desert and it makes me feel like I'm in the desert and so I felt like the the title of it is fitting uh, stormy love is the first song one thing about zoo is he does uh, almost all his vocals are always all falsetto and he's he's good at it and it's very very catchy most of the time and he has this for, for electronic slash dance music a lot of dance music is like overly happy and cheery. A lot of his stuff is very dark, dark subject matter, dark lyrics, or just like the music itself is darker. It's not always dark, but it's a little bit darker. So I enjoy that too. Cause it's not, cause a lot of like, you know, the, great, you know, dance artists like Tiesto and stuff and people are bass hunter, you know, it's like, oh, okay, it's good for a couple of tracks. And I'm like, eh, it's just the same thing, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, and so it's not really something I'm into all the time. So stormy love. I, I, I like the song. It's a good track of the uh, good groove. Uh, I still like it. Despite you telling me that showing me that it's basically a rip off of car song, <laughs> the moving in stereo by the cars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, I was like, wow, <laughs> not meant to be, um, an attack on the song necessarily. In fact, I really am. I like the cars a lot. I think they're a cool band. Uh-huh. And it was just when I picked up on that, that I was like, oh, and I, I, I know I've got a bad habit of doing that to you. So that's my bad. I'm going to try to like hold off on that. Um, oh, I even did it laugh. with, I forgot to send you, but I like when I, when I was listening to film and time burner mm-hmm. reminding me of that outcast song, their version of my favorite things. So I, I do that with my stuff too. And I sent yeah. you to, as, as an apology, as a way of, uh, you know, kind of shaming myself when I sent you the Mr. Bungle track mathematics. Oh Yeah. And I, listen to the intro of that that track, and tell me if you don't start going one way or another. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna yeah. get you, get you, get you, get you one way. So same exact. I get it. I do that a lot. Um, I I can't help it. I have this. It, that's how I associate. That's when I listen to tracks. If I hear something like that, and it's if I can't figure out where it's from, it will drive me crazy until I get it. And so when I heard oh, that yeah. one, um, yeah, I had to I had I had to do some digging to go like, what is this? How I started with. Um, I was like, oh, it's the, it's the song from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Because <laughs> the there's a very key scene in Fast Times at yeah. Ridgemont High that uses that song with yeah. featuring Phoebe Cates. Okay, and then I was yeah. like, and then I was like, I was like, all right, what's the Fast Times at Ridgemont High? And I, I didn't know it was the Cars off the top of my head, so I took a little of digging. And once I found that song, I was like, oh, it's the Cars. Then I listened to it, and then I listened to Stormy Love, and I was like, yeah, all right, I got to send this to Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. it didn't ruin it. Did, well, a couple of times, like on that Greta Van Fleet, it kind of ruined it for me. But this song, I love this song and this artist, so it didn't ruin it. But I was like. Okay. And actually it reminded me of something. So there's a guy I used to, a band I used to play with and the guy who wrote all the songs for the band, he would always tell me, I was like, how do you find inspiration? And (laughs) I always thought it was kind of shitty. He's like, well, he's like, I think of what songs I really like and I take parts of them and I just rewrite them and twist them up a little bit. I was like, are you serious? Ah! He's like, yeah. (laughs) He's like, you know, our song, blah, 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 blah. I was like, yeah. He's like, that's just a Guns N' Roses song. (laughs) And then I stopped and thought about it. I was like, he's absolutely right. (laughs) That's okay to me. I I don't mind when people either wear their influences on the sleeve or that, you know, it's that expression, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Right. There's, you know, if you can take something that's out there, make something new out of it though. I don't, it doesn't bother me. It's, and and that's what's, that's the difference between like a stormy love, which we heard with zoo versus 
like a Greta yeah. Von Fleet. Greta Von Fleet. Fleet's like clearly, you know, they they're they're. I feel like they're they're trying to make songs that sound like those bands specifically. This is hey, it's a real similar melody. Maybe he likes that song. Maybe the influence found its way into there. Even if he yeah. was using it exactly, there's still enough uniqueness to what he did with it that it stands out by itself. It's it's a yeah. new it's it's a new thing. Yeah. So yeah, that was just that. <laughs> and I actually had to go back and listen to it a few more times. I was like, no, I was like, I hear the similarity. It's very similar, but I was like, I still, it's different enough, different genres to help big time. So uh, next on the album is still want you personal thing for me. I think it's super lame and tacky and cheesy when artists like be like change like a word to a letter, like they're texting. So still want you the letter U. I just Oh, so you hate Prince. Yeah. That's every <laughs> Prince song. It's just I'm like, why? Come on. I know it's their be- I was just like, I, I like the song though. Every time I read that though, I'm like, come on, dude. Um it's instantly it still want you instantly one of my favorites on the album. It does a great job of combining like dark themes and grooves and sounds along with like the falsetto vocals. Uh, the question. music is very simple. But once I hear it, it gets stuck in my head for a long time. I got a question for you. What do you think yeah. is more annoying when bands do that, where they, they change like their songs to like, oh, still want you, but it's the letter U. Or when <laughs> bands have their name and they put letters in the wrong places. Ooh. As far as their Prob- name, like, like the band Churches, but Churches is yeah. with a V instead of a, a U. Yeah, there was, uh, I saw a band in New Orleans a few years ago, Sideways, and they put a W, or they put V's instead of W's. Yeah. 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 Um, what's yeah, what's I, worse? That, the okay. names <laughs> thing. Churches and, I was like. Churches is yeah. probably like the easiest example to think of, but like a lot of indie bands I see doing that. Yeah. And the band I went and saw in New Orleans was an indie band. And yeah. yeah, I was just like, come on. And the, in the, the vocalist, like, Oh, you can call us this. It's not with the V's. Ah. And I was like, you're dumb. You're so it's dumb. Like, <laughs> you, know what, <laughs> you know what it reminds me of is, is, uh, the O'Neaters <laughs> from that Tom Hanks movie where he's like, the, yeah, like, no, we're the wonders. And everybody keeps calling them the O'Neaters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So yeah. Um, this this album starts off on like kind of a dark vibe. The still want you, you know, goes into guilty love. So I do have a criticism for guilty love. I like the song a lot. I just don't like skits in music. Yeah, I, I it's it almost never works. I don't like skit tracks by themselves before or after a song. I don't like skits in a song. I like this song. I like the music. I like the part before this skit. I like the part after the skit. I understand he's trying to convey like an illicit affair. And then like the chick talking with the guy and like, we can't see each other anymore. I'm going to stay with my husband, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's like a dark song. It's brooding and, you know, all about their guilty love. It's the skit just kind of kills it there. And then it kicks back up. It's the, okay, it's the so one. I'm learning a lot about you right now. Number one, don't like Prince. <laughs> Number two, you don't like any <laughs> rap album from the nineties that are just <laughs> full of skits. Skits. Yeah. Oh, that's why you didn't why? like film. Why that's why skit? you didn't like film. It's just a jazz skit. That's all you're doing. <laughs> it's a jazz skit. <laughs> 
<laughs> guilty song. Guilty love. Good song. Just don't like the skit. Uh, Desert Woman. That's really hits the desert vibe as far as like it's a mostly inter- instrumental song. Actually, the next two songs are mostly instrumental. Good electronic music for me doesn't always have to have vocals. If it has something good and catchy, but is simple that keeps your attention, uh, it really just does something for me. Both Desert Woman and the song after Provocateur, uh, simple guitar riffs. It's just this like atmospheric outdoorsy vibe to it to me. Makes me want to go like listen to this album with a giant stereo system on top of a mountain in the desert at sunset. It's just it has a very desert esque theme for me. Like you, I feel like all the colors, like the purples and oranges of a sunset in the desert, would really lend itself to these songs very very well. Uh, not much to say about them because there's very little lyrics to it. It's just great. It's also great road trip music. Those two songs are good. Like you're cruising down the road, just a good good songs to drive through. Uh, Burn Babylon really changes gears from the rest of the album. A lot of video game like soundtrack vibe to it. Not one of my favorites, but still, it was kind of good. It's got this like '90s video game. It's got a hint of it too. It feels like a game, like a I don't know, like a te- like a puzzle game or something. I would play. That's really interesting. I didn't. I didn't get that vibe. Okay. So, um, I felt like it was out of place, though. Like it was a good again. song. But I felt like it was out of place with everything else. Uh, Save Me, originally, first few times I heard it, I didn't really care for it, but it's really, really grown on me, especially the vocals and the chorus. Now it's one of my top songs. It's really good. Ghost in My Bed. Uh, more fan, it's got more of the Western vibe to it, especially at the beginning. It's got that like Western like movie vibe to it. It's more the desert theme. Good song. Uh, Love That Hurts. It kind of like comes out of nowhere considering the previous three songs, but it's back to like zoo's darkness about love and relationships. And it's got this really throbbing bass that just carries the darkness through the song. And it's got this, the, the bass is the song. It's what makes the song, the vocals. It lends everything to the vocals too. Just this like heavy of like, that's just coming at you. And the vocals are like all about being in like a destructive relationship or getting out of a destructive relationship. And so the bass is like juxtaposed with the, the falsetto vocals of, you know, like talking about it. It's really, really fun. It's really, really good. And I feel like it's just a good balanced song. And I just like how just like the heaviness of it. It's a, I, I want to hear that song live. Cause I know they, all the subwoofers are probably just destroy my guts mm-hmm. and just like, it, it's, it's, it's just got this heaviness to it. It's, and that's what I like about zoo. Like it's got this just heaviness to it. This almost sometimes broodingness. and with an electronic music, I just like it. Cause that comes through in the bass a lot of the times. And I really enjoy that. Uh, light it up. Not something I really enjoyed too much. I know writing a song about weed is popular because in California, everybody smokes weed. So it's an instant hit, but it's just not my jam. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just felt like that song was kind of out of place. (laughs) We'll do a straight edge band. One of these days. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It just, it just felt out of place. Um, uh, Drowning, another song that took time to grow on me. Now I look forward to that song, listening to it. Coming home. The coming home was different because it really has a, a vibe like the weekend, you know, the artist, the weekend. 
yeah. uh, both vocally and musically. And uh, since Majid Jordan is from Canada, like The Weeknd, I think that's why it's got a lot of that Weeknd vibe to it because The Weeknd's from Canada too. So they probably have worked together at some point or at least, you know, have some sort of like mutual respect, but it's really got it's and it's different from everything else in the album. It really stands out to me because it's all this dark electronic music and then these weird songs in between the bam, like a weekend song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, well, this is a nice change of pace. Um, Waters of Monaco, little weird song. It grew on me some. My life. Uh, it's it's a. Uh, it feels to me like a great send off to the album, really heavy on the water vibe. I guess he went for the, uh, desert vibe and then the water vibe, two things that kind of don't, you know, they kind of don't always go together, but I like it when an artist will like take an atmospheric or like hear the sound of like something like a, like, like I've said before on this podcast, thrice air and water, earth and fire, you know, they, they go for these things and they try and make a song that has that vibe. And I really always have enjoyed that. Yeah. The, um, few criticisms, the album was a little bit too long. It could have lost two or three tracks and I feel like it would have been a better, more polished album. Um, just some of them were weird, felt like they didn't fit in and the skit. No, please. (laughs) (laughs) Other than that, uh, a very atmospheric album, dark album, lots of for an electronic album for zoo, lots of variation. It's a lot better than his first album. He has a new album coming out here in like two weeks. So I'm looking forward to hearing the new album. Uh, my favorite tracks were Love That Hurts, Still Want You, and Coming Home. Those tracks really stand out and are great. And I'm giving it four and a half beards, despite the skit and the few songs. The songs that are on there that are good, I think, are still very good. And it's only like out of 14 songs, only three songs am I like they could have done without this. So still to have 11 tracks, and I'm like, these are solid tracks. Just get rid of that skit, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, there, I, yeah, I, I'm, I gotta agree with you on skits just in general. I think of a couple of things already. Number one is um, like Guns N' Roses when they did Knocking on Heaven's Door, uh-huh. and they had the stuff in the middle where it's like Axel's getting a voicemail from his agent. Yeah, other bands that have done similar things outside of like '90s gangster rap, which was just like everywhere. <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, like everybody had a skit. Some of those were pretty funny, like on the Chronic, but. Um, I, when it's in the middle of a song, it's it doesn't it, nine times out of ten, I hear that and I go, why why did you feel the need to put that in? It doesn't really enhance the song at all. And it's right. it's similar to when we were talking about Tomahawk last week, <laughs> yeah. and it, you know after a bridge, you know Mike Patton will go now back to your regular scheduled programming. Yeah, <laughs> really, you just kind of ding does it. That's a little bit. I'm gonna you're gonna lose points on that one every single time you do stuff like that for me. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on the skits thing. Yeah, absolutely. F- four and a half beards. I'm really, I'm impressed that you gave it that, um, again, this is, this has been such a back and forth week for me. And I don't know if it's because of the mood that I was in or what, but everything that I listened to, I had this really polarized response to the first mm-hmm. time I listened to this record all the way through, I was not a fan. I mm-hmm. really was just not digging it. The second time I listened to it, I figured it out. I said, okay, there's, there's things that I do like about this. There's songs that really stand out to me that I gravitate towards. There's other songs that I could completely skip and, and I would have been okay with it. Um, 
this one took a, the first three tracks don't really do a whole lot for me. Stormy Love, while I like the nod to the cars, as a song by itself, I thought it's okay. It just didn't really mm. grab me. Still Want You and Guilty Love, I had these very indifferent responses to after even after about three or four times listening to it i went through the whole record um i got busy with work i didn't listen to it as much as i wanted to but about five times all the way through and Mm -hmm. to be very candid unfortunately this was i had to keep going back and back and back i was uh, a few times i had this on while i was doing other stuff and next thing you know i'd be on like song eight or nine and i'd go what i how did I miss all this? And I'd have to really catch myself and purposefully go back and try to be mindful about listening to this record. And it really wasn't the, the things that, that grabbed me, um, desert woman and provocateur. Uh I I think those are really good songs. Um, standout desert woman, especially there's this midpoint or towards the end of the song where it's just a synth line and a lot of space uh huh. And then the synth line again, and a lot of space. And then he'll turn up the treble, and he'll turn the volume up, and then repeat that synth line. And when you talked about the dark vibe on it, I wrote down that reminded me of something I'd hear on like a John Carpenter movie, Ooh, i.e., yeah. Halloween or The Thing. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Um, the songs that use guitar and have the, the guitar melodies, I thought that's a nice touch. You don't hear a lot of that in electronic music and a lot of times when you do hear it, it's done in a kind of a cheesy way this i thought right. fit it, it was it served the songs really well um but overall the the songs that i liked were desert woman i think is probably my favorite or second favorite on there i like provocateur i really liked drowning um mm-hmm. coming home yeah i thought as an R and B song with a lot of that influence on it, I didn't think the weekend like you did, but it makes perfect sense as soon as you said that. But for that R and B style, I thought it was a very good song, but it doesn't really quite fit the record as a whole. It does stand right. out a little too much. Um, and so, okay, if, if I'm approaching this record and I'm thinking you're going for a desert theme here, the mm-hmm. ones that really did a good job of that are desert woman, provocateur drowning, Come and then Waters of Monaco, and surprisingly, I liked the last track on there, My, uh, life? My life. Yeah, which I'm not. I, I I'm not the biggest Tame Impala fan. I think he's incredibly overrated as an artist. And this had a lot of signature Tame Impala kind of sounds to it and vibes to it. Yeah. Um, and it, but it worked. I think it it kind of fit within the vibes of this. I really liked Waters of Monaco. I thought the the, the kind of waterish vibe to it really fit. Mm-hmm. It's almost like an oasis in the middle of the desert that he has, um, which is cool. I got Casablanca vibes a little bit from there, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, but for the most part, I went, I kept going back and forth and I settled at a two. Um, not, not okay. my favorite thing all in all. <laughs> I wanted to like it more than I actually did. And I, I have a feeling at the most I'd probably give it like a two and a half. Um, but overall, I just the ones that I didn't like, really, I didn't care for it a lot. Ghost in My Bed, I didn't like the vocals on that one. Um, Burn Babylon, I thought the 
I didn't pick up on the video game vibe. I kept going back to that. I thought when you told me this guy was from California just now, that was kind of a surprise. I thought he'd be from UK just because it has that UK vibe where right. it's like a little bit of Jamaican influence in it, you know, burn Babylon, uh, light it up. I didn't like, and still want you. Uh, I didn't like that at all. I don't care for, there's a trend in a lot of music lately, like pop and, and electronic where somebody will be, it's almost like they're, they're, uh, doing, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like screw type vocals where it's just, it's deliberately warped down on oh, purpose. Okay. On purpose. You know, uh-huh. like you sang it, you sang it an octave higher, but we're going to bring it down. For some reason that does zero for me with the exception of, I heard somebody do a screw version of a Duran Duran song. I thought that was hella cool. But <laughs> other than that, it's super rare that I like that stuff done where it's warped down and they're singing like this. Mm, yeah just get rid of that altogether for me i don't like it i don't like it when they do the opposite it's an octave higher either so yeah not it's it's just a weird week for me man uh back and forth with all of these and and there wasn't even with film nothing really jumped out at me i went you know this is this is going to be a heavy rotation for me even mm-hmm. after we review this i'll be surprised if i go back and listen to film for another time in the next six months yeah it was yeah it was okay. <laughs> just, yeah, just kind of meant, which that's good. It's going to, you know, we're going to have that. They can't all be zingers, man. You got to have exactly. sour in the sweet. So um, that was, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to next week and doing, changing it up again some more. Yeah. So next week we are going to have our first guest on. Uh, we're going to have Drew Jordan on and he picked, uh, bring me here. Right. Bring, Damn it. Bring, Bring me, me the, the horizons horizon. album. A- a- ammo? Ammo? I don't think it's ammo. It's ammo. Ammo? Okay. Ammo. It's just AMO. Amo. It's the words AMO. AMO. Yeah. All in lowercase uh, by Bring Me the Horizon. So I'm going to be honest with you. I've never actually sat down and listened to Bring Me the Horizon. So this I'm is going to be, be honest with you. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> The most I hear of Bring Me the Horizon is when you make jokes about them. <laughs> I haven't I haven't made jokes about them, have I? You've made jokes about the name. During like a No Country podcast, you've made jokes like, you know, we're talking just you and Adam and I are just naming out like lyrics or bands and just working oh. on the sentences. So, you know, I'm, puns. I'm, well, I'm sorry then, Drew. What did I say? Bring me to Verizon? Like I need to go to the yeah. cell phone store. <laughs> Was that it? It may have been. May have been. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so then, uh, we're, since he picked that, I'm going to forego picking an album. And what did you pick for next week, Dan? I am going to do a band that is not, this isn't a new record. It's an old record, but I have not heard it until, oh gosh, like within the past 24 hours, I listened to two songs on this record. And based on those two songs, I went, holy cow, I want to review this and I want to review it now. The band is called Algiers, and the album is The Underside of Power. And based on the description from Apple Music, it says, Algiers are a politically conscious indie trio who combine elements of post-punk and no-wave with raw blues, gospel, and even early industrial music. And the little bit of track, it reminds me of another band that's out right now called Zeal and Ardor, which takes a similar approach, but with heavy metal music. They mix a lot of um, old Southern 
call and answer kind of spiritual mm-hmm. music, gospel influence, very African-American influenced. And they mix that with like black metal and they're a lot of fun to listen to. And so if it strikes me in any kind of way, like Zeal and Ardor does, I have a feeling I'm going to be a big fan of this record. Um, even just based on the two tracks that I went by, I went, yeah, this has something to it that really strikes me. So I'm excited for this week. We're going to listen to bring me to Verizon and, uh, <laughs> And Algiers. <laughs> and Algiers, exactly. Or bring your money to Verizon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. We get so a new sponsor by a- we're gonna get sponsored by AT&T just because you made that joke. <laughs> exactly. I hope so. I'd love free phone service. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you all next week.